This pandemic has forced us to retreat to our homes, and while that's affected businesses across the board, the impact is particularly painful for bars and restaurants. Apart from the immediate financial hit these lockdowns have inflicted, we're all starting to wonder how people will behave in the future. What we'll be comfortable doing, where we'll be comfortable going and when. And a key part of that is how hospitality might fit into this new world. This is Make Yourself at Home, a podcast where we hear from people in the commercial real estate industry about handling their business, their current realities, and the outlook for the future. I'm Miriam Hall, I'm BizNow's New York City reporter. On this episode, I'm speaking to Scott Gerber, the CEO of Gerber Group, which runs bars like Mr Purple in the Indigo Hotel on the Lower East Side, The Campbell, a bar in Grand Central Terminal, and multiple venues at the new TWA Hotel out at JFK Airport. All up, the company has 10 venues in New York City, Washington DC and Atlanta. They're all shut because of the crisis, which means 400 people at the company are now out of their jobs. Scott's speaking here about his predictions of how we're going to return to socialising, accessing government support, conversations with landlords and his experience with the virus. I started by asking him about having to make the decision to lay off hundreds of people. It, it was horrible. I mean, you know, a lot of these people, we've been in business for almost 30 years. A lot of people have worked with me for that long. Um, and I never, ever could have imagined having to do this. I mean, you know, we've been through terrible times with 9-11, with recessions. You know, our business has, you know, fallen off a little bit. But never could we have imagined closing our business. And the abruptness of it, too. The fact that it happened basically overnight. I, I don't think that anybody ever expected that we would have to close all the bars and restaurants in New York City and that, you know, none of us would be able to go to work. I mean, even you. Um, the, you know, regardless of what business you were in, I don't think that anybody ever would, could have expected anything like this. And you have, um, you've established a food pantry. So what happened is that um, when we closed, we had a lot of food in the bars and restaurants that we knew we weren't going to be able to use. So we gave that to our employees. Um, we cooked a lot of it and gave some of it to our employees. But then we realized what's going to happen next week. Um, when we've gotten rid of this food. So we decided to go to our vendors and start buying shelf-stable foods um, or fresh vegetables and fresh fruits and bread and eggs and, you know, pasta. And so every week we do a food pantry, not only in New York, but also in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., where any of our employees can come, pick up food for the week um, so they can feed their families. And we're paying for that. And then we also had a GoFundMe page that um, we raised, you know, a good amount of money that will go to help to support 100% of that money goes to support the food pantry and any money that's left over will go directly to our employees. What are you hearing from them about how they're going? Are they, are they surviving okay? Yeah, no, they're surviving okay. I think that the uh, care assistance in the additional $600 a week that's being uh, supplemented to their unemployment has helped a lot, but they're very appreciative of what we're doing. You know, a lot of people um, can't get to supermarkets, don't want to go to supermarkets, so they're coming and, you know, they're picking up food. Um, a lot of people can't get into New York City, so we've got people that are picking up food for them and dropping it off at their homes. So I think that they really appreciate what we're doing. Um, I think that it's great, you know, we've always treated Gerber Group like family, and we will always do that. So I think, you know, it's, it's really nice seeing people taking care of, you know, the people that they work with. What about the small business loans? Have you had any um, luck or any experience there in terms of getting that and helping you through? 
Yeah, we've applied for small business loans. Um, we think that we will get them, but the guidance right now on how you have to spend the money just doesn't work for a bar or restaurant. I mean, the rules are that you'd have to spend all of the money um, within eight weeks, of which 75% has to go to payroll. And that would mean hiring back our entire staff that we had when we were at you know 100% business um, within the next eight weeks or over the next eight weeks, and we don't have any place to put them to work. So it just doesn't really make sense. I mean, you know, we'd basically be spending this money um, to not have them work. And then when we are able to reopen, hopefully within eight weeks or in eight weeks or 10 weeks, then we won't have any assistance to help pay the payroll. And we know that our business is not going to come back to where it was right away. So what are you, you're still moving forward with the application? Yeah, we're moving forward. We're hoping that we'll get funded. And then once we have the money, we're really hoping that the guidance will change. We're hoping that, you know, Washington will understand that the best use for this money is not while the bars and restaurants are closed. It's when they reopen. And so we can rehire our employees, that we can help pay for our payroll while our business is maybe only at 20 percent or 30 percent. Because right now, if I were to pay all of my employees for the next eight weeks, they'd go back on unemployment in eight weeks. So it really wouldn't benefit anybody. And have you had any communication with government or public officials about how to how you, that doesn't quite work for you? Yeah, so I'm on the uh, board of the New York Hospita- Hospitality Alliance. It's basically um, you know, a group that speaks to New York government, speaks to D.C. about you know, kind of rules and regulations and really is the voice of bars and restaurants in New York. Um, so we had a call with um, Corey Johnson, the speaker, and we told him of our issues, which he was very understanding of. He was bringing it to them to basically say, okay, for bars and restaurants, we still, we're going to give you the money. We still want you to use it for, to support your payroll and then pay some rent and utilities, but you should use it the way you see fit, you know, meaning that when you reopen, you should use the money. Um, if you're only rehiring 50% of your staff because you don't have the business to support 100% of your staff, use it for that. Use it for longer than eight weeks. You know, if it lasts you for 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is, as long as it's being used for your staff, use it the way you see fit. And this way, you know, we will have the confidence that we have the best shot of surviving. Like I said, right now, if I use the money, it wouldn't do anything for me. I'd be in a situation in eight weeks where I don't have any money. You know, I mean, I have money that we've held on to from our company, but I wouldn't have any money from the government helping me. And that doesn't make any sense. So you're, you, but you're hopeful that, that the, you're going to reach an arrangement that works. Right. So I'm hopeful. So I'd rather have the money and then have them change the guidelines than wait till they change the guidelines to try and get the money. Because I've heard a lot of people have not been able to get the money on the first round of funding. They just approved a second round of funding yesterday. So hopefully anybody that wasn't able to get it the first time can get it the second time. Um, but again... I mean, they think it's going to run out again. really fast, though. Yeah, it'll probably run out really fast again. Um, but it really would be unfortunate if, you know, we are able to get the money, but I can't use it. What are your conversations with landlords like at the moment? Um, we haven't been having too many conversations. Um, you know, we've had one conversation with one of our landlords that basically said, you need to pay your rent. Um, and so we want to be in that space. Uh, at the W Union Square, it's Marriott. So Marriott basically said, you know, 
we're going to put you in default if you don't pay your rent, which is kind of crazy that a company like Marriott would do that, understanding, you know, they've had to close so many of their hotels. Um, but anyway, so they threatened us. Why do you think that they were so threatening about it? Um, I, I don't know. I don't want to try and figure out why they're doing what they're doing, but it wasn't very nice. Um, but in any event, we paid our rent, um, so we're not in default, and we will continue to pay our rent. Um, but some of our other landlords, we just have not really had many conversations with over the past six weeks because I think they're trying to figure out what the right thing to do is. But we're in the fortunate position where many of our landlords are our partners. So, you know, they want us to succeed. They want us to be there when this thing comes through. And they understand that we're not in business and we can't pay our rent. So, you know, they're working with us. At the Campbell, though, you've had trouble with the MTA, I understand. Yeah. So, I mean, the MTA is a, you know, it's a government agency. And so originally what happened is when the government said we could be at 50 percent, um, they sent a letter to all of the tenants, not just us saying, you know, you have certain operating requirements where you have to be open these hours. Um, we understand because of the crisis that you won't be open these hours. So we're not going to have penalties assessed against you. But we want to remind you that your rent is still due when it's due. And so, you know, I'm saying to myself, Governor of New York has told me that I can't be in business. And at the same time, New York wants me to pay them rent. It just didn't make any sense. So um, they sent us our rent bill, um, which we have not paid, um, but I have not heard anything from them since. I mean, they're having a lot of trouble too, the MTA. Yeah, I think they've asked for like a $4 billion bailout. Um, you know, let them give me some of that money and I'll be happy to pay them their rent. So it sounds like you are paying at some places and some places you've been able to reach a kind of uh, an informal agreement. Yes. This is what landlords are facing at the moment. It's like, well, they can either help you, I guess, or what are their choices? Are they going to fill the space with someone else? I mean, it's not a great time to be looking to fill vacant space. Right. And I think that, you know, most of our landlords realize that we are great at what we do. We're great operators. And so whatever the future holds and whatever that business can be, we're going to maximize its potential. And so if they get rid of us, there's not somebody that's going to step into our shoes and pay the rent that we couldn't afford to pay. The biggest thing, I guess, for you is hanging on to cash right now and keeping the business, you know, okay till the other, till we get to the other side, whatever that other side may be and whenever it may, may come. Have you, but we still have to think about planning and thinking ahead. What, what kind of planning are you doing to think forward to the future? So we, um, when we closed, we immediately started contacting all of our vendors and told, you know, a lot of them again, and I look at our vendors as I do our landlords as our partners, right? I mean, if we're not in business, we're not going to be buying product from them. You know, the liquor companies, if we're not in business, we're not buying liquor from them. And we've been great partners. We've been partners with a lot of these people for 25 plus years. And so like for the liquor companies, we've said, you know, look, we can't pay our bills right now. They're like, we understand. I mean, there's certain, you know, state laws that require you to do certain things. So like when we reopen, we'll probably have to pay everybody um, because if not, you go on COD. Um, but I think a lot of the bigger companies realize the situation we're in and want to work with us as best they can. Now, we also have a lot of small mom and pop vendors that we understand are in a bad situation. And so we're making sure that they all get paid. Um, you know, we have utilities every month that we have to pay. We have insurance that we have to pay. There are certain expenses that we have to pay, but everybody else um, we've kind of put on hold 
and told them, look, we're not looking for you to you know, forgive the money we owe you. We're just looking for you to wait until we have money to be able to pay you. Right. And you feel confident that your bars and your restaurant will be able to open? Yeah, we're, we're confident that they will reopen. Um, you know, a lot of them are in hotels. Um, so we're pretty confident that they will all reopen. You know, I'm just, I don't know when, and I don't know what the level of business will be. Yeah, that's, that's the challenging thing, isn't it? We don't know when and we don't know how it's going to look. Right. What's your sense? I mean, one thing is, is that the regulation, what will the government allow bars to do? What will the capacity be? But on the other side, there's what will people feel comfortable doing? You know, I think that at some point we're all going to get comfortable going back out and socializing. I mean, we're social animals. We have to do that. Um, but I think, you know, we have to be smart about it. So, you know, I got sick with COVID um, and it was terrible. I don't wish it on anybody. Fortunately, I got through the other side. I didn't end up having to go to the hospital. I wasn't on a respirator. I wasn't on any of that. My wife was sick. My kids were sick. Um, but it's not something that you wish for. But I think that the, you know, the potential for this disease to kill you pretty quickly is not something that can be taken lightly. Um, so I think that, you know, younger people that are not as susceptible to, you know, the terrible results of it, um, maybe we'll feel a little bit more comfortable going out than older people. But um, I think we have to be careful about it. I think we have to, I think people's social habits will change a little bit. Um, I know that our, the precautions that we're taking as far as when employees come to work, we're going to take their temperature. The cleaning guidelines are going to be a lot more intense. Um, you know, all of those things. But, you know, the other part of it is what kind of guidelines is the government going to put in place? Are they going to go back and say, okay, you know, everybody has to be six feet apart and we're not going to reopen bars right away. You know, I hope not. Um, will they reduce our occupancy, you know, initially? Yeah, they, they will. And at that point, we're going to have to see, can we make money at these reduced occupancies? I think in most of our places we can. It's going to be a lot less. I mean, our business model doesn't work where if your business goes down by 50%, you make 50% less profit. It doesn't work like that. You know, your business could be, you know, limited and go down 50%. You could end up losing money. And, you know, because the first 75% of our business will go to cover our expenses and then the next 25% is where we can make money. So because you've, you've had it, um, you have a kind of a unique perspective. Do you, what, what would you feel comfortable doing, do you think? Well, I, I think once, once I have the antibody test, which hopefully I'll have this week, um, I will probably feel more comfortable than you will, you know, having not had it. Um, that's not to say... It's not guaranteed that I can't get it again, so I'm not about to go and start, you know, I wouldn't go into a club, you know, with 200 people packed next to each other dancing. I, I wouldn't do that. Um, but I'm going to feel more comfortable about, you know, going back to work and being with people. Um, but that's me. I, I think that there are a lot of people that, you know, are ready to socialize again and, you know, will just be smart about it. I mean, if you've been in your apartment for six weeks by yourself, you know, you need some kind of social human interaction. Yeah, it's pretty, um, it's pretty grueling. It's so incongruous to how we are as people. You know, you want to be within six feet of people. You want to be close to them. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's the challenging thing for restaurants. I mean, what what restaurants and what bars do you think? I mean, it's universally acknowledged some are never going to be able to reopen from that. Which in New York do you think have the best chance of getting through? I think the ones that have the best chance of getting through are the ones that you know held on to money when they closed, um, that have landlords that you know understand that they are partners and that they want their spaces filled and that if you're a great operator, you probably have the best shot of being successful. I think those are the ones that are going to survive. I think the ones that weren't making barely enough money before are not going to survive. Um, if you don't have a landlord that's understanding, you're not going to survive. Um, and then I think there are certain people that are just going to say, you know what, um, it was a grind before and you know, I have a completely different perspective on life now and I want to move to Montana and open up a coffee shop and I'll make a lot less money and live a much simpler life. Does that give you concern about the city and its and its its whole allure? The whole allure of New York has been the bars, the restaurants, our kind of the bustling nature of it. Does that worry you about how the city will kind of reshape itself? You know, I, I think that New York is resilient. I mean, we made it through 9-11. We've made it through recessions. I think New York is very resilient, and I think we'll adapt and we'll figure out how to make this work. I do think it's unfortunate that these great kind of mom-and-pop small bars and restaurants that make up you know such an important fabric of our city may not be able to come back. Um, that's unfortunate, and I hope that it's, you know, not too many of them. I hope that, you know, we can all find a way to go and support these small businesses so they can survive because it would really be unfortunate if New York became a city that had only chains of, you know, Del Frisco's and Chipotle and, you know, Shake Shack. I mean, that would be really unfortunate. Yeah, that's not why people live here. Uh, (laughs) People have said, you know, after we get through this, people are going to want to go out. They're going to want to support business. They're going to want to be able to prop up those sorts of operations. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that New Yorkers care for each other, genuinely care for each other. Um, And, you know, the same way as I'm sure you're ordering in, you know, from restaurants to support them, um, you know, we're going to continue to do that. Um, And I'm hopeful that, you know, a lot of these smaller bars and restaurants will survive. It's important. And, you know, we're going to do what we can to support them. I mean, I don't only go to my places. So um, I do think we'll survive. I think it's going to be a little bit different, at least in the near term. But I am optimistic that we're going to get back to a place where New York is, you know, still the greatest city. And uh, we're all going to still love working here and going out and living here. And we'll, we'll be back. What do you make of this? I guess it's, I would say it's kind of this bubbling tension that's been happening. It's sort of been like public health v economy. We've seen it across the country where some people are really pushing, saying we've got to, we've got to reopen. And other people, scientists, public health experts are saying, no, hold up, hold up. What do you make of that kind of comp- those competing ideas? You know, it, it's a very difficult, delicate balance. I mean, there are people that are, you know, having trouble, you know, paying their bills right now because they don't have jobs. Um, you know, unemployment, you know, only goes so far. So at some point, we have to get the economy going. But, you know, having had this virus and understanding how dangerous it is, you can't, you know, what do you, do you choose 
life over money, I mean, that's really kind of the decision that you have to make. And so I think we have to be really careful in how we reopen the economy and do it as safely as possible. But you need an economy. People need to earn a living. Um, if not, you know, you know, can you imagine you've got a family and you can't afford to feed them? I mean, and that's a big reason that, you know, we did our food pantry to make sure that our staff can feed their family. Um, you know, it's, it's important. So, but it, it's a struggle. I mean, we do have to get the economy going again, because if not, you know, I think mentally, as well as financially, it's going to be, you know, it's terrible. But you, you've had you've had it, so you kind of know how scary it can be. Yeah, it's not only is it really, you know, it's debilitating, but you know the thought of having to end up in a hospital on a respirator and dying, which went through my mind several times a day for not only myself but my wife, um, and I know somebody that unfortunately did pass away from it. Um, it's not like. You know, if they had a cure, I mean, if it was the flu and I knew I was going to get over it, you know, okay, I've had the flu before. We all have. But, you know, the, you know, how terrible the results can be in dying is not something that you can play with. So, for example, Georgia's um, governor is pushing for a reopening and you've got, you've got an operation in Georgia. What what do you make of that? Do you think that that's a good decision, or do you think it's a? I mean, what do you what do you think about that call? I personally think it's a little bit too soon. Um, I mean, I'm not, you know, I haven't followed, you know, kind of their curve and their flattening of their curve. I think a lot of that in Georgia is being driven by uh, the people of Georgia feeling that you know they've got, you know, it's a free country, and the government shouldn't be telling them what they should do. And I think that's influencing it a bit. But, you know, we're not ready to reopen in Atlanta. Um, the hotel is not ready to reopen. We're not ready to reopen. You know, we're going to listen to what the professionals are saying and take the guidance of, you know, our you know, elected officials because we do think that they have the best interests of us in mind. Um, but I, I don't think we're ready to open. I know we're not ready to open in Atlanta right now. I mean, it must be tempting to be like, let's get let's get it back going. It is. But, um, you know, the safety of our employees is paramount to us. Um, So if they all came to us and said, hey, you know, Scott, we're living down in Atlanta. We all feel good. We really want to go back to work. We think people are going to start coming back to the hotel. Uh, We're ready to go. Then, you know, we'll take their lead. But I just think that it's, you know, I think most of the country should be ready to reopen um, before we're ready to reopen. Thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Um, And yeah, I hope, um, you know, things start working out pretty soon. Thank you.